0: Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. All right. In this episode, Cornelius Maxwell will discuss his recently released book of poetry, Unapologetically, I Am a Man. Cornelius is a motivational speaker, a veterans advocate, and a business consultant. His advocacy began after serving eight years and three combat tours during Operation Iraqi Freedom in the United States Army. His poetry addresses the ideas of all men are created equal and human rights. Um, One thing that I've, I loved From the very beginning of your poetry is that um, you have such a strong message of love of country um, and love of country for a country that doesn't always love you back. I think it's a really powerful and timely message for change in America and um, before we begin I would love to give you a chance to introduce yourself a little bit more.
1: Well first I'd say thank you for having me on your show and as well as I'd like to thank your audience for taking the time to uh, listen to what I have to say. Uh, now, as far as myself, you know, it, it's the fact that, uh, what about me? That that's always seems to be a hard question about me. It's, like, it's one of those questions <laughs> like, I, <laughs> it's like, I like to talk about the things that I do, but I don't like to talk about me like that, you yeah. know? So it's one yeah. of those questions. So, about me, like I said, I served in the Army, I served eight years in the United States Army, I served three tours in Iraq. Uh, currently, I am uh, working on, for the veterans, my veterans advocacy uh what i call the transition units theory which i present in front of the arizona state congress uh, it is designed to save the lives of two million veterans over the course of 10 years which i was able to take the information from a department of defense report and i was able to show that and so right now it is uh one of three finalists for an academy award for next year in 2021 and uh That's for incredible. leadership
0: congratulations oh,
1: yes Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, as well as uh, I do motivational speaking. I got into motivational speaking when I was in um, I was taking this mechanics course at uh, UTI, Universal Technical Institute. And I was a student council president there. Uh, I started noticing, you know, the young kids needed some inspiration. I'm like 34, 35 at the time. These are a bunch okay. of 18, 19 year olds. So what I started doing was conferences on leaderships and like workshops and stuff. And I got the campus president, the executive leaders, and some of the other students gave some uh, workshops as well. And and so uh, I was really big on being busy versus being productive. You know that okay. there's a difference. Yeah. You know and. And you know, when one is busy, they're like a chicken with their head cut off, you know, it's just going in directions with no direction. Yeah. <laughs> and so and being productive is you take calculated risks with estimated goals and things of that nature. And and so people really enjoyed it. And so, but then I also was also into portrait, but I was one of those guys who's raised in the era where men don't express emotion, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I get it, I I'm I'm one of those guys, my father's that way, my grandfather's that way. And so we don't like to show vulnerability. I got to the point where I was like, you know what? It's, I can show some, but not be vulnerable, right? Yeah. And so I found, and I've always been interested in poetry, and I've written some here and there throughout the years, especially when I was pursuing a particular young lady.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <And> so... <laughs> That's always helpful.
1: <laughs> You're Correct. And, and so my fans and the ones who really built my confidence up in poetry were always, the, you know, the young ladies that I was pursuing,
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
1: sense. so uh-huh and, and so, um, I had this desire this passion about you know race relations in America, just to you know my own personal experiences um and, and so I just prayed about it, and I just felt like it was a divine calling for me to do so. And, and so when I released this book this year, this is my first book, I've never released a book before. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so everything just fell to place. I've been working on it on and off like five years where I've been like motivated. Okay. I write a poem too. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go like six months and do nothing. And this year in 2020, like everything just started flowing. Boom. You know, just, it all just came together. Right. Um, you know, and then when you started seeing the race relations, I already had my book in publishing when all this stuff was going on. So it was just like, it was just divine timing. And so it just turns out to work that way. And, um, I, I put my emotions on, you know, on the paper and, um, and I just spoke truthfully and I okay. want to be honest about how I see things and how I see the world and, especially because you know i do have a bachelor's in political science as well mm-hmm. um i really want to use that degree because uh, i have an executive mba uh, I, I took this executive okay. mba fellowship at ucla and so in entrepreneurship and i have a year left in my uh mba program in, in project management but i wanted to use my political science degree and so that's what the uh, that also was like inspiring with the book as well so right. i think those are pretty much the the key attributes. Um, that I can say about Cornelius at this moment.
0: That's all really great. Um, you know, you reference America and veterans and politics, and especially Martin Luther King Jr. in your poetry. Um, tell me a little bit about that.
1: The the one thing I also wanted to include in the book was the structure of uh, birthrights, you know, because um, I was really inspired by Dr. King when I first started this project.
0: You know, mm-hmm. uh, his
1: last process, I am a man. And I really got inspired, like, why did he have to say, I am a man, you know, like yeah. what why do you really have to just say that? And so it really just made me want to start researching. And so I started researching more about uh what does the man bring to the family structure? You know, and I started researching, I started thinking, oh, the birthrights, you know, because you know, when the uh man is born is born with the father's name and his forefather's name. And so I started looking at the birthrights. Oh, that's pretty interesting, you know. And so I started looking at it as, um, that's the thing that you know with Black America. That's what we don't have in this country. Is what we consider a birthright. You know, sometimes people say, "Oh, go to your go go back to Africa, go elsewhere," mm-hmm. but you're saying we don't have a birthright here. That's the case. You see right. what I mean? Yeah. And 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 we do because we've been here. We built this country. We've been a part in every war. So I really wanted to share that. Like you know, when does our birthright count? You know, we built this country. We love this country too, and and, and I've been here for generations. You know, yeah. and um our creditors do as well, you know, and it's and it's not to say it from like a selfish standpoint, but it's mm-hmm. to say from a realistic standpoint. Because when you say things like that, you're saying someone doesn't have a birthright. And I believe that, you know, birthrights are and I started doing the verse more research on birthrights, you know, think how they okay. they can be spiritual, yeah. they can be uh, financial when you look at inheritance. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, they can be your identity. Yeah. And as well they can be political. You know, one thing the black community's never had is fair representation politically or political influence. Yeah. And so uh, that's phase one I want to include in there. So I, I, I really, t- you know, expounded on that, you know, the political aspect, yeah. uh, you know, especially when you looked at the uh, poems like What's Really Gangster," Yeah,
0: which I loved.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and, and
0: I love it coming from the perspective of someone who doesn't live in someplace diverse. You know, my perception of what I see on television, what I see in the movies, what I hear on the radio of what is gangsta is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe, maybe that needs to change for me. Maybe that's part of the change that white America needs, you know what I mean? To support that and to, to kind of give rise to this birthright and to what it means to be black in America.
1: Correct. And, you know, and that's why I shared that because, you know, that concept is destructive. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And I look at people like Julius Caesar, uh, he was gangster, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and he was because, you know, he started off with a poor background and, yeah. and Rome said, well, you can't do this and that and he went against Rome. Yeah. And, and, and so I thought that was really cool you know his background because people still talk about him and, and the yeah. things he's done. Like, even when you look at the, the calendar, the month of July is, is for Julius Caesar. Uh-huh. And so, you know, in the calendar that we use now with the year and, and things of that nature was created by Julius Caesar. So, you know, I thought that was pretty uh, cool that he was able to come from a background that lost the Civil War, that, yeah. which he came from poverty, built his reputation through combat and was able to grow into politics and forever change the uh, course of history for his family's bloodline. Right. And so I thought that was pretty awesome. And so I think that all men can do that. And I do believe that in America where all men are created equal, you know, all men are created equal to having fair birth rights, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, and I think that is very important that we all realize that because, you know, at the end of the day is, and I learned this, especially in combat in the military, you know, that we're all human, you know, we yeah. all experience emotions. We all experience, uh, experience pain. Um, you know, we all bleed the same color red, you know, if you nick an artery, it's going to be bright red. If it's not an artery, it's going to be dark red, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things, you know, we all have people that love us. We, uh, you know, we have people yeah. that don't like us, <laughs> like, <laughs> It, so it is, we all need food to survive. We need water to survive. It, it's, we're all in that same concept. And, and, and it's, so it's to say that one person is better than the other When We all can really serve each other and help each other build each other right. is the whole idea of community and uh, a, a nation. So, and I think that is very important to, um, for us to all share in this concept.
0: Cornelius, did you have this, um, Did your service in the military help you realize that you were equal already? Or was that something that you were raised with?
1: That was something that I was raised. Mm -hmm. Uh, My father also served in the military as well. Okay. And my younger brother also served as well. So matter of fact, me and my younger brother were deployed in Iraq at the same base at the same time. Okay. And so, but I was always taught that. And I look at the fact that because even... um, because of that, like during my 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 relatives, right? My uh-huh. grandmother, my both my parents, both were raised in the in, Miss, in the Mississippi Delta during the Jim Crow.
0: Okay,
1: I was taught that history right. from a young age, and mm. what my parents and my grandparents and my great grandparents experienced. Yeah, and so and and how they used the education they did have to get involved politically on uh, with what they knew.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, and so, um, and even my great. Great grandmother, she died before I was born, but my great great grandmother was getting people to register to vote and stuff like that. And this yeah. is in the Mississippi Delta, yeah. And so um, it was. And so, like I said, I've always been shaped to speak up for myself, stand up okay. for myself. The military helped me find uh, divine purpose, you okay. know. And yeah. and that's you know, and that's the thing because I remember like my first two months on my first tour in combat, and I just remember we just riding down the street on a convo on a regular mission. And I just got this bad feeling and I just got this feeling that it's like started praying. And then I was able to, and then we had an incident happen and I was able to foresee the incident like seconds before it happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then it was like, I started learning like, okay, God's really trying to tell me something. Yeah. I was raised in church. My dad's a minister. Uh, my mm-hmm. mom's an evangelist. Um, Things of that nature. So I was raised with this background, but God really started showing himself to me in the, in the, the in the combat arena, you know, in the combat right. theater. Yeah. Uh, more so than I would say prior to it, like I just feel like being in the military was a part of my destiny, and I just feel like I had to go. It, it shaped the man I am today. It taught me a lot of leadership skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, it taught me how to deal, how to interact with people on a more diverse level, um, because I've learned I met many people from different backgrounds, and yeah. and and a lot of their backgrounds are not similar to mine. And you know, I even met some people that had never seen a black person before. Yeah. It was their first time; was in basic training, <laughs> and we became they were really good friends. Probably from Utah.
0: I bet they were from Utah.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, they were close. They were uh, actually from. Uh, <laughs> they were actually from uh, Oregon. I believe it okay. or not, like backwoods yeah. Oregon, mm-hmm. and, and so it was pretty interesting, you know, building those relationships. But at the same time, I learned a lot as well. Yeah, you know, but like it's like I like to have conversation with people. Mm-hmm. You know, my father and my mother both like to have conversation. This is what I learned from both of them. yeah. And because you learn a lot from just talking to people, you know, mm-hmm. you, you learn um, the way they think, you know, yeah. and things of that nature, like, you know, the treasures of a, of a person's heart, they speak with their mouth. And so it's valuable because now I'm listening to those jewels, those things that are valuable to you. And I'm taking them in.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and so, um, yeah, I think that the military played a strong role because it uh, it helped me see, you know, legacy and destiny and um, things of that nature, you know, and but then going because it also helped me pay with my school, you know, with my GI Bill and stuff like that. So yeah. then I was able to, you know, and so now I have the military background with the college education mm-hmm. and. You know, so then it started opening up doors for me that were not available for me beforehand. So, you know, the fact that I'm able to see these, you know, um, see these opportunities and and yeah. and being in position to take advantage of these opportunities mm-hmm. um, is it, it, the blessing part about it. Yeah, So,
0: absolutely. Can we talk for a second about love of country and patriotism? It seems like there's a growing number of people across America who... Um, have kind of lost their love of country. And that's a really hard thing for me.
1: The thing is, is the fact that America, for one, has never atoned for this, you know, Mm -hmm. being that we do have a biblical background and biblical understanding that, you know, a nation first has to atone for wrongdoing, which I also mentioned in the book as well, you know, and forgiveness, Mm -hmm. right? And so we start creating systems that help create atonement. Then yes, the change begins. Because the thing is about um, even what they're doing with the kneeling You know, even though we let's say, first, we may not believe that it's the best strategy, but it's still within the rights to protest. And it's a peaceful Mm -hmm. protest because no one is being injured, you Mm -hmm. know, and and that's the thing about is the fact that you can protest in America. Rather, you agree with the protest or not, but what are they protesting? They're protesting injustice. Right. And and so that's been the thing that's been going on within the black communities is is injustice. Right. Because Mm -hmm. teenagers walk down the street and get jumped by police officers while minding their business. And it's like you get tired of that. Yeah. So it's, it's something that needs to be fixed because any country, and we and we've learned this through history, that any country that's had a, a, a lower class, uh-huh. right, a slave class, has always had a revolution, right, and and or a revolt, mm-hmm. and, and those revolution revolts turn around to, they can either make burn the country down and rebuild it and make it better or to okay. just flat out destroy the country within itself. Yeah. Because again, you, you're creating a lower class and people are not designed to be property. People are not designed to be treated as a lower class. We, we are we are a community. You know, yeah. look at our way of communication. We, we are right. far advanced in communication than any other species on this planet. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. our methods of communication.
0: Yeah.
1: And so if, if we're not communicating with each, with each other in the ways that we can, we're creating these problems. And so we have to have the mentality of a servant that says we have to fix these issues accordingly, right? And, 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 and that's what I'm addressing, because you, you can't say, here's my thing is, people say they love this country all day, but if you're not working on improving or building the better, to make this country better than what it is, mm-hmm. or, or for our, our heirs, our future heirs, yeah. then we're creating the problem, which right. helps America's enemies because, mm-hmm. you know, because you're creating a uh, a weak point or I say a chink in America's armor
0: Yeah.
1: for, for an excuse for others to invade us. Right. And so, and, and why would we do that when, like I said, America's the land of the free home of the brave, then let's go ahead on and be the land of the free. Let's go ahead and make all men all equal. Let's, you right. know, let's, you know, all, all men should inherit, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, you know, those are some... Yeah profound words now let's exercise those words is what i truly believe and i believe that america has the capacity and the the resources to do so everyone fights on behalf of america that's american
0: right
1: so so why is it feel why is it that you have a certain group of people to feel like we don't belong because i hear that I hear that and I hear that from you know because I'm getting involved you know I've been getting more and more involved in politics. Right. You know and and I hear that even like from the black community where a lot of people feel like that's not our place. They say you're black politics is not your place. Which yeah. is is crazy because I started this country in combat. So it is your it place. Goes, <laughs> correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's the point that the mentality has been there so long in this country is programmed um you know the of the black community to feel this way to where they don't even believe it. And and so it's like, you're so they feel like you're being excluded and you're excluded from the very thing that gives you your right as an American is to be have political influence. Right. And, and, and so, and we all understand that, you know, Kings and Queens and the things of that nature from history senators, they all have political influence mm-hmm. and those who don't have political influence are slaves. And so, because slaves don't determine policy and things of that nature. Right. It, it's the fact that the mentality is there to the point where we have to untrain that mentality because right. America trained that mentality. So now we have to mm-hmm. untrain it. It's a matter of us actually deciding, and saying, you know what, let's really live by these words and let's really be the first country or the first superpower country to actually be a superpower without having a, a, a slave class or a lower class beneath the people.
0: Yeah, I love that. And you know, one thing that I really loved, um, even at the end of your book, in your acknowledgement, I can see where the perspective of getting involved in politics for a lot of people seems um, impossible. How can I, in my in my little world, become an active participant? But one thing that you mentioned, and I love it, especially because I teach in a high school, is that you said, you know, go go to your your school meetings go to your PTA meetings go to your community cool. council meetings like there are places for you to participate go to your city hall meetings go to your city council mm-hmm. meetings like those those are open to all and i think maybe people who feel like they've been excluded to that they might not mm-hmm. even know that that's available to them so i love that you mentioned that because there mm-hmm. are it doesn't i mean you don't have to be a senator to make a difference in your community You know, you can, you can make a difference on so many smaller levels. And I I love that you um, sort of initiated that idea.
1: Thank you. And I truly appreciate it because it's true. And a lot of people don't don't truly understand it. Like you can call your representative and say, Hey, what have you been doing on my behalf? You know? Um, And and that's interesting because like I said, I have the formal education. I come from a family background that did these things, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, and but I noticed that a lot of people really don't understand it. And I even say, and I tell people, no matter which party you, you are a part of, you know, whether you're the Republican Party or you're part of the Democratic Party, um, you know, they have meetings and if, where anyone can come in. If, if you vote on that ticket, um, mm-hmm. if you're registered, you know, you yeah. can come in. You don't have to even be registered with them. You can be, You can show up. Yeah. And they're talk politics and, and they have them at places like Chili's. You know, you can sit yeah. there and drink a beer or, you know, have a soda and yeah. and, and and eat some food and, and talk about how to improve this country. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and these are just a, a, these small functions that, that play a big role and a big difference because the people who are running for office in candidates come to these meetings. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they go to enough of these meetings, they they get the courage to become candidates from these meetings. We have a country that says anyone can be involved in the process. You know, it's designed for with the elections every two years. So anybody can run for office if you decide if you desire to. But I think this is the ultimate level of country when everyone believes that everyone has can participate in, in the advancement of our nation.
0: You've really done a great job, sort of branding yourself. And can you talk a little bit about like your your personal development and sort of what um, kind of helped you build yourself in this way?
1: Um, I would have to say first is uh, God. You know. Um, You know, God is a major influencer in my life. So I have to say all praises to the Most High, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Uh, Secondly, I have to say is my support system. I have a very strong support system that, you know, they, they give me wisdom. They tell me when I'm dropping the ball, hey, man, you're messing up. Fix it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are just blunt. Yeah, I love blunt people like that. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to spare your feelings, nope. you know. Because mm-hmm. you know, I love them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, hey man, you're dropping the ball. Pick it up. So, yeah. All right, got you. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Salute. <Yeah>.
0: That's <Right? laughs> that's good. Uh,
1: yeah, and so it, it's it, it's just amazing how people like that and. Uh, that really, that really, that plays a big role. Uh-huh. Um, I've also done a lot of research. I research a lot of stuff like emotional intelligence. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: you know, I've researched America and other countries and I research, it, it's just the fact that I take the time to invest. I invest, mm-hmm. you know, and so last, I'll say the last thing is the fact that I I invest in me as well. And, and I, you know, I see what other people are doing and, and I say, look, if that's the one that I want to be like, you know, or be in their position, I want to see what they're doing. Right. I want, and I even ask them to be my mentor. I want yeah. to learn how they think. Yeah. And and, and and I don't have a problem saying, look, I'm not a brother approach. You know, I'm I'm not picture perfect. You know, I'm yeah. not this you know, i got some, some rough edges around me and stuff like right. that, you know? But at, at the same time, it's the fact that life is real, life and as people, we're always in the learning and the development stage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so um the the stage in life that I'm in now is one I would say I am gathering a lot of maturity and, and using a lot of wisdom. Uh, I remember as a young man, I used to hang around this guy named Deacon Pendergrass. Mm-hmm. Deacon Pendergrass was 89, 90 years old, and I was like eight years old, nine years old, and he had a walker. And at church, he would turn around and play the harmonica, or he would play the guitar. I love it. And that. he had this, yeah. And he would have this big speaker, and he'd connect them to it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. But he
1: couldn't carry the speaker, and so I would always come and grab the speaker for him. And they also called him Mister Candy Man because he always passed out candy to the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I never wanted the candy; I wanted his words of wisdom. Yeah. And so he always gave me life wisdom words, and he always gave me something for wisdom. And so. Now now, is, is, once I started hitting my 30s, those words he was telling me started making sense because I started yeah. getting life experience, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And, and so the fact that I've had people like Deacon Pin the Grass in my life, my entire life, um, has been an influence. Like, someone just random people I just randomly meet and they okay. say some w- words that I need to hear at that moment. And then sometimes yeah. they disappear. Like I've never even seen that person again in life, but they told me what I needed for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And so it's just that, you know, God has blessed me with to be, uh, to have people in my corner, you know, and, and, and um, I say those really helped me get to the uh, place that I'm in today because, you know, um I don't know if you're familiar. Are you, are you familiar with the author uh, John C. Maxwell? mm uh-uh. Okay. Well, he's, uh, he, he writes books and he's a motivational speaker and he writes books on leadership.
0: Are they, are they business books?
1: Some of them are, but the majority of them are, uh, leadership. So he has this one called the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Okay. And he was simply, he was saying in there, this is one phrase that stuck with me and it always sticks with me. And it's the number one is simply too small of a number to achieve greatness. And so he was referring to one's leadership, you measure your leadership from your level of influence. Mm-hmm. So if you have, you know, if it's just you, your your leadership isn't inspiring,
0: right? you know,
1: because you, you can only inspire yourself. But When you start inspiring others is when, you, you know, your leadership starts to develop and grow astronomically. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and, and that's the thing is like, I want to be sincere uh-huh. and I want to uh, leave an impact on the world and inspire, you know, those who come after me, you know, so, you know, we only have, you know, a certain amount of time while we're here, you know, and I want people to realize that, um, you know, that you don't have to be helpless. You know, there, there are solutions and we have to start thinking of solutions and ways uh, to, to cure all problems, you know? And so, um, so who else better than me uh, is, you know, uh, why not me? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's my mentality. Why not me? You know, and a lot of times, y'all know, some people like to use the scripture. You know, Lord send me. You know, Lord send me. Mm-hmm. And so it's the servant mentality. And I believe that the most important part of, of the the man I am today is the fact that I've adopted the servant leadership role. Yeah. And the and, and and I live to serve. And and everything, even from my words to my book to, um, the 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 bill that I wrote for the transition units theory, um. It's all about service, yeah and so to me servitude because uh, you can and I often quote myself saying this, this is my own quote uh, uh, and I say that leaders seek the opportunity to serve others and lack the expectation for others to serve them and so I truly believe that so
0: I love that you know I feel um I feel like you're a really strong example of the power of humility um, you you give a really great Energy for somebody who is doing such incredible things but has enough humility. Um, and I see it in your poetry too. Like there's so much power there, but it's like a humble power that is very approachable and very real and very human. Um, mm-hmm. Really cool. Well, because your poetry is what brought us here, mm-hmm. I was hoping that you would be willing to read one of your poems.
1: Yes, matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, I'll quote them. So it. the book. I've been told by society, freedom will always elude me. Prosperity will not embrace me. The war on drugs will enslave me. Prison is my destiny. Death at a young age is my prophecy. Not able to provide for my family is the way that I'm cursed generationally. To be a pillar in society is not even a possibility. These quotes my whole life I've been told continuously. But I can't understand what I've been told conceptually. God's favor is blessing me eternally. Can't measure my growth infinitely till they find the odds stacked against me perpetually. And so that's, I've been told by society. And that's from a concept that I've been told like my entire life from a child up, you know, those things. And so I was able just to analyze all those negative things that I've been told and I put them in this poem. And initially when I came up with the the poem, I read it to my mother and she got angry. (laughs) Because I titled it, I've been told, and she's like, I never told you those things. I, <laughs> I was like, Oh, you <laughs> 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 your mom I was, was like, coming right. after you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was. I was like, You're right. I've been told this by society. I know I, I know you never said those things to me. So <laughs> and, and so uh that's how I came up with the title because initially I told I've been told. She's like, I never told you that. And she got angry and I was like, Oh, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, let me stay you know. So I was like, society. And so, uh, and, and so it's kind of funny when I tell people that story, uh, they go with it. But uh, on a poem that that has such a, um, a deep meaning, so it kind of brings a little humor.
0: I love the humor. Um, but I also love that every single line holds so much power and there's so much meaning. Um, so if you would please read one more for us, I would love to hear um, the one that the book is titled after.
1: Unapologetically, I am a man. I am made of bone, tissue, flesh, and blood, thus classified biologically to the mammal kingdom. Yet my stature is upright and my posture is strong. It keeps me grounded through treacherous adversity. My voice is deep. When I speak, it roars with authority. Classification by pigmentation has labeled me a minority, restricted from health and prosperity to quench the sinister desires of the majority, but let this declaration be understood with clarity that I was created in the image of the Most High, uniquely with originality, so I can never be stereotyped due to the authenticity of my individual personality because I'm proud to be the man God made me to be, unapologetically. I love it. Thank you, thank you. And so... Like I said, I was just inspired by Dr. King and his last protest. And that's, you know, that's the poem I wrote. Just like, wow, that was a powerful protest. So uh, that's how it inspired me. And so I decided to put it on paper and title the book after it. I've been inspired by so many people in life, you know. Uh, and so a lot of people ask me, when is the next book coming out? And I was like, I just got this one out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I need so, a minute. <laughs> I, Yeah, I need to get my name out there, you know. And so. Yeah. Well, um, I do have more people that have, that have inspired me in life. And so I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to put them in the next book as well, because, you know, like we're all a product of the people we're around, you know, and I'm a big believer in uh, what the book of Proverbs teaches. When King Solomon was talking about how iron sharpens iron, so does a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. And mm-hmm. so I'm a big believer in that, you know, it's about the quality of people that you surround yourself with, uh, you know, determine your quality because the way they think is going to determine the way you think. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, and that's why I'm, I was so inspired to share, you know, like this song or this particular uh, individual inspired me and, you know, and this is how they inspire me with this concept. And so, because I believe that I really believe that people have a way to inspire us. Uh, everyone has a key role and you just got to make sure that people inspire you in according to what their, their thing is. Right. And yeah. so everyone has their niche and you have to have a niche. And so, um and, and and each person has a niche in your life as well. And that's one thing we have to realize. And so uh I am inspired by so many people because everyone have their own niche that they have on me. So Yeah.
0: And I like the backwards way of thinking that as you mentioned, you know, that you've got to fill a niche in someone else's life. And I think that can be inspiring individually to say, you know, I have all these people who do all this great stuff for me and they inspire me in all these ways, but what am I doing? How am I inspiring? Mm-hmm. So I think Correct. that's really great advice. So to wrap things up today, um, how can our listeners connect with you online?
1: Um, the, the most importantly, I have my personal website, which is uh, mr-maxwell.com. Uh, also, I'm on Instagram. It's uh, poetic underscore mad 27. And the number 27 was my high school football number.
0: Cool.
1: so let's give a little history lesson i like it I like it. <laughs> nice um also uh, i have a motivational speaker page on uh facebook and you know at mr cornelius j maxwell uh also you can find me as uh, cornelius j maxwell on twitter as well and you, if you're doing the search you can find me also on instagram besides the poetic man you can also find me as cornelius j maxwell on the search as well it, uh, it shows up
0: great it's been so fun talking with you today this has been great
1: Yes, it's been an honor and a privilege speaking with you as well, and, and I hope your audience truly uh, enjoys this. I'm grateful that you have me here on your podcast. I'm grateful that you read the book. I'm I'm humbled that you enjoyed the book. I
0: did. And, and
1: I hope thank you, thank you. And I hope your audience as well. You know, listening to this conversation, they really enjoy hearing what we have to say. Enjoying this conversation, I hope they enjoy the book unapologetically. I am a man, and uh, and and I really do because it's been on. Uh, it's been ranked on Amazon's top 107 categories already. And yeah, and I thought that was really cool being that it's my first book, so.
0: Yeah, well, congratulations on that.
1: Oh, yes, thank you, thank you. And so, like I said, I really hope that they're really inspired by, you know, both the book and this conversation.
0: Always good conversation on Lovely Books Podcast. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in today. If you like what you heard today, please remember to comment, like, subscribe, and leave a rating. Um, you can also leave comments on our Instagram and our Facebook page at Lovely Books Podcast. We have a great week, and we'll see you again next week when we highlight another lovely book.